I'm a big fan of the Harry Potter films. And as they went on, they got darker and scarier. But I never noticed something until today. Goblet of Fire I had on in the background, and there was some kind of banquet. Well, males and females were at this banquet, obviously, and they showed some carriages outside the banquet, and they were rocking back and forth. And I thought, I have never noticed that in a Harry Potter film that they had the, the kids getting it on. We're getting it on. I'm Jeff Stritch. This is Strictly Stritchin' Time, Friday, February 5th, 2021. We are live on Facebook. By we, it only looks like me right now, but momentarily there will be somebody else on. I categorize, oh, well, friends or enemies certain ways. The funniest woman I've ever met, my ex-wife, Margot. Smartest woman I've ever met, ex-girlfriend, Dr. Mimi Pepino. Well, one of the individuals who is the funniest man or that I've ever known, he also is one of the people who makes me giggle the most, pleasure to have him on the program, Dave Glick, the second most interesting man in the world. Dave, great to have you on the show. Um, so something I didn't know about you, Harry Potter fan, that explains a lot. <laughs> the other thing I'm going to say is if you have a Harry Potter, you should probably see somebody about that. <laughs> Folks. All right. Here we are. <laughs> it's uh face to face finally finally doing a uh a, a broadcasting duet after all these years and this is such a formal occasion we were just discussing this i am wearing pants well it's it's good to know good good to know but and if i see you fidgeting then i'll know that below the uh screen line it's a it's a slow button button and zip and right down to the ankle so <laughs> If if I get warm, I'll, I'll just yeah, just let people know. Take that, the pants uh, yeah, off. If you see that, you know exactly what's happening. Dave and I go back. Uh, we met each other uh, when we were both working at a radio station. And when I asked Dave to do the program, I we kind of really weren't worried about how the conversation was going to go because we know each other and we laugh. But I wanted to do some research. And I didn't have to do that a whole lot because Dave let me know that he is on the IMDb. Is that international movie database? Uh, inter Internet, Internet movie database. Internet movie database, yeah. And the list of things that you have done in animation is extremely impressive. Also that I've seen some of the things. How did you get into animation? What was the first thing that you did um in the animation world well i kind of i kind of kind of backed into the industry you know uh, ass backwards i was i had moved out to los angeles and um i was uh, uh working uh, in a um in a studio for a fine artist as a lithographs and that really wasn't my thing and the job only lasted about three months and um uh we we had a mutual parting of the ways it turned out that um, uh, two of my uh, former art school classmates um, were working in animation. I'd, and I found out that uh, uh, they were looking for uh, some crew members. And so um, I figured that I would give it a shot uh, because I'd been, I'd been working in comics and I'd been a cartoonist all my life. So I figured, you know, animation just seemed to be the next step. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I got the gig. Uh, I, the first show I worked on was the uh, animated version of uh, a sitcom called ALF. Do you remember ALF? Yes, I do. Um, yeah, so I worked on ever. that. And um, uh, about the same time, I, I was working in a studio that was doing a number of different uh, animated series. So about the time I was doing ALF, I was, always wor I was also working on uh, the Ghostbusters and... Uh, 
uh, a show, uh, uh, Beanie and Cecil, and there were a couple other, uh, I just kind of, you know, I was determined to make roads into the animation industry. So I just kind of uh, went around and saw all the directors and producers and, and wound up uh, uh, freelancing on all these different shows. At, and that's how it started. And then right after that, uh, there was a little little pocket of time, like about two months, and I wound up getting uh, hired at Disney. And then I was for the next ten years, I was uh, at Disney. Johnny, some of the titles: yep. Johnny Bravo, yep, The Simpsons, uh, Chip and Dale, not Chip and Dale's, the male strip clubber, Chip and Dale, the cartoon. No, that's what I was doing on the side was Chip and Dale. So you maybe <laughs> just misread that. Oh, I did. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a photo of you, yes, in a in a speedo type outfit. So I'm going to pass over it's that. The, yeah, it's the uh, you know if you if you if you click on it, then it's the leather thong picture you get. You know, it's like uh, you know, it's like those it's like those pens you used to get. You know, with the stripper. You know, if you turned it one way, she had a bathing suit on. If you turned it the other way, she's naked. <laughs> if you yeah, if you flip the you know if you flip the picture, you'll you'll see. You know, it's like speedo, and then right down to a G string. What was your favorite show to work on? Um, <clears throat> probably, well, I don't know. I, you know, I had a number of, of, of really great experiences. Um, Johnny Bravo was definitely one of them just because we, we kind of did that show the old fashioned way, the way they used to do the old Warner brothers cartoons where, um, the, uh, uh, the artists were actually writing the cartoons and then the writers would come in and kind of clean up the storyline and put in some extra dialogue and that type of thing. Um, so the, 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 the rule of the day when we wrote new episodes was how much we could make each other laugh. So we would start out like nine o'clock in the morning with a pad of, of post-its about this size. Okay. And we would, uh, have pencils and markers and that type of thing. And then we would just kind of spitball ideas and something that everybody kind of liked. We, we would sit down and, and draw it and put it up on the wall and we would just build the cartoon that way. Um, and then um, uh, we would uh, kind of put in the gags and we, what we had, what we also had was a wall of shame because we would always get ideas that we knew wouldn't make the, uh, uh, wouldn't make the cartoons. So, uh, but we would draw them anyway, just to make each other laugh. And then we would just pin them up on the on the wall. So by the end of the two years that I worked there, we had a humongous wall uh, with the, the, the worst, most disgusting, most perverted, sexual, nasty gags that we could come up with. And um, I, I wish I could show you that stuff because uh, that was that was that was the funniest stuff. Uh, uh, that, 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 that stuff on the wall. Um, probably another uh, uh, episode of thing. I worked on a feature uh, called, um, it was uh, TMNT, which was a digital Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. Uh, that was fun to do. Um, and um, I don't know, I mean, there, there, were, some, there were some Disney things um, that I really enjoyed working on while I was, I was there. I mean, they were all, they were all fun. I, I don't think I ever took a job that I absolutely hated. There were just some I liked better than others. You were born and raised, you've been kind of all over the country, but born and raised. I know, like dog crap. I'm all over the place. <laughs> like, like a bad fungus. You're born, yeah. born in Youngstown. Yes. Ended up at, well, ended up in L.A. eventually and then back yes. here in Cleveland. Yeah. Tell us how you got from Youngstown to L.A. And don't say by bus or car or plane. Oh, see. Okay. <laughs> so I figured I went right to hitchhike because I knew that well, you wouldn't do that. Um, I, you know, I kind of had a, 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 it was a very interesting path. Um, I, I graduated uh, Kent State University in 1976. Uh, knocked around a little bit, uh, couldn't find any work in broadcasting because that's what my degree was in. Uh, went off to art school for two years. Um, and then um, I spent the, after I graduated uh, art school, I spent um, about three, I'm going to say oh, about, about uh, three, I can't remember, it was a three to five years 
uh, working as a freelance artist in New York. Uh, I did a lot of magazine and uh, comic books and uh, uh, advertising, local advertising stuff. And then I got a job uh, as an art director at a CBS affiliate back in my hometown in Youngstown. So I moved back there for, um, uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and then uh, uh, some personal things happened. Uh, I, I, I got a divorce and I figured that uh, um, uh, uh, nobody knew me on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I buried the wife quickly, I could get out of town uh, before the cops caught up with me. So, uh, so I did that and, and, and got out to uh, uh, L.A. in the late 80s. And uh, I stayed for 30 years. And then I decided to retire and, and, and move back to Cleveland. So you've lived in both Youngstown and L.A. Can you and, co- compare and the two? Oh, and New York. Can you compare the three? Okay. <laughs> what is the difference between New York, L.A., and Youngstown? The spelling. <laughs> Can you, I don't know, um, Shaggy, Shaggy's not mic'd up, but he's laughing in the back <laughs> studio. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. You, you know, I, I like them and hate and hate them all for all for all different reasons. You know, um, um, I, I wish that I had lived when I was living in New York. I wish that my career had been uh, I'd been further along in my career because I was really struggling and. Uh, I wound up doing a bunch of different things when I lived in New York. Besides uh, working as a freelance artist, I was also um, I did uh, I did New York radio for uh, for a couple of years, um, and I was also booth announcer at a, a TV station doing uh, coming up at nine o'clock. It's uh, you know I love Lucy or whatever those kind of things are. Um, but you know back then I didn't make a, I wasn't making that much money. And so, you know, it was a bit of a struggle. So there were a lot of things about New York that I couldn't take advantage of uh, that I would like to have, but I just couldn't. But, I, you know, I, I, I made a lot of good connections while I was in New York. Uh, I met some really uh, uh, great people. Um, I don't know uh, uh, how many people out there are old enough to remember uh, the Big 1220 WGAR. Um, but uh, when I was in college, I became friends with a number of uh, the guys that were on the air. I was friends with Lanigan and I knew Phil Gardner and I was friends with uh, uh, the real Bob James. And um, so I kind of kept in touch with, with them. Um, uh, Bob James and I stayed in closer touch. Eventually he <clears throat> and a bunch of other radio guys uh, created a service out in Connecticut uh, uh, which uh, was called the American Comedy Network where they did uh, um, they did comedy bits for radio stations that had morning guys that couldn't that we weren't funny enough or they just didn't have the, the, the know-how to do bits. So you could subscribe and get a bunch of bits every week or every month. And uh, that kind of pepped up the, the morning block. So I worked with them for a while. Um, well, and, and, uh, and then I got the gig uh, back here in Youngstown. And when I came back to Youngstown, I did uh, news graphics. Um, I would do news graphics uh, a couple times during the day because they had a couple newscasts. Uh, but in the afternoon, um, they had a um, uh, they had an afternoon drive guy, and he and I became friends. And so I would write comedy bits for him, and then do voices for the show to kind of uh, uh, keep my keep my hand in radio. And eventually, I started doing uh, movie reviews uh, on, on live on air for the newscasts. Um, so. You know, I always kind of had one foot in art, uh, well, had one foot in art and, and one foot over uh, in broadcasting. And uh, it's kind of always been that way. Um, even though when I got to L.A., it was my work was pri- primarily in animation uh, as, a, as an artist or as a, um, a director uh, or writer. Um, but every once in a while, I had some radio guys around the country that would have me on as guests or, you know, I'd sit in on something or whatever. So I, I was always I was always doing that stuff. Broadcasting. Yes. You. Broad chasing. Broad chasing. <laughs> I'm sorry. The hearing aid just blanked out for a minute. I, hello. One, two, one, two, one, two. OK. All right, good. You, your degree is in broadcasting slash mm-hmm. communications what yep. what was the first 
Uh, the first station you were on, what was the format? Did you last longer than 10 minutes? Well, the first station I was on was the college AM station. Um, and, you know, that's the, what, one of the great things, the things I loved about working at the college radio station was, of course, I was I, I was a pain in the ass back then. And the, the, the format was this will ring you 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 this will sound familiar to you the format was top 40 where they wanted the disc jockeys uh, to do a lot of time and temp and just reading straight liners of course i needed to do different so um i basically did a early version of the showgram um and and the good thing was is that I had uh, I had the blessing and the and the uh, a mentorship of John Lanigan. Um, for those of you that aren't Clevelanders, uh, Lanigan was the morning guy. Um, he would have been he, he had the popularity here in Cleveland of of a Howard Stern um, uh, or Don Imus if you're you know if you're a radio person. Um, in fact, he replaced Imus when Imus left Cleveland the first time and went to New York. Um, and so um, I would, uh, I had the direct line into the old uh, WUAB Channel 43 prize movie studio oh. where Lanigan would do the movie. And I could, uh, you know, so while the movie was playing, I'd call in and uh, we'd chit chat and he, he passed on a lot of secrets of things that he did on his show, which I eventually uh, brought onto my show. And uh, actually, there were times when uh, uh, John and I would do a crossover in the morning and we would be, be on each other's shows. So, um, it, you know, it, it, it gave me a lot of, uh, uh, of training to do the, that kind of radio. And, uh, um, you know, when, when you kind of have that kind of juice, it's really hard for the uh, program director to say, well, we don't want you to do that anymore. Well, you know, tough shit. There are people out there that love that crap. And if I stop, you know, you're going to have an uprising. So, um, you know that so so that was probably that was the first place it was just fun because every learning how to do everything i wanted to do um and i'd say the um the second best uh, would have been uh, the station where you and i were uh just because it was kind of the same situation um i did what i wanted to do i was good at it so they left me alone until they didn't you know you had a litany of characters a cast of <laughs> yes, characters yes i did <laughs> What is Buzz Paducah doing today? Porn. <laughs> That's, I thought that was him. That oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, but instead of the wah wah guitar when they when they play, it's all it's all accordion music now. So you know it's it's different. It's an acquired taste, but you know he 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 does well. You know the problem is is that when he plays the accordion when he's naked, your know, body parts do get caught in that thing. So he's got to be very careful that he holds the accordion out far enough not to uh, not to pinch skin. You know, but otherwise uh, the polka dots uh, they're they're doing they're doing time. They're not doing fine. They're doing time. You know, it was uh, it was a it was a gas station holdup. It didn't go well, and they'll be they'll be out in a couple of years. So you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll be seeing them again. Don't you worry about that. What were some of the other? I I can't recall what some of the other characters you had on. Well, we had the Wixie Weather Singers. Oh yes, how could I forget the Wixie Weather yes. Singers? Yeah, yeah. Well, we we had a we had to give them all pink slips, um, and some of them look very nice in those pink slips. I have to tell you, um, <laughs> and uh, um, well, so we did that. You know. Um, um, we also, uh, you know, well, we had the, uh, um, the, 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 the showgram almanac, which, uh, uh, we, st if you, uh, if you go to the website, uh, showgram.com, you can still order the, uh, the, the showgram almanac, uh, for all your almanac needs. I had a great and, time. And we also Go sell ahead. back scratchers. But, it's the it's the the almanac and the showgram back scratchers you can get at that at that site. When did you first introduce those characters? When you were on the when the first um station you did when you did the top forty? Was that when you um, introduced them? No, no, I didn't. Um <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, the one of the things that we did 
on 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 the old show was that uh, um, I kind of had a different setup in the studio so I could take live calls on the air. So uh, we used to do a thing. Uh, it was the uh, the joke line. We had people calling with jokes. Um, I, we also, uh, I had a character, uh, that I would pre-record, uh, gosh, I forget what, the, it, it, it was, it was the, the, uh, it was the local, it was the, the, the janitor that cleaned the station. He would come in and we do a little, little crosstalk there. I think I did a, a goofy weatherman or that type of thing. I mean, it was all me. Um, I rarely used any extra people cause I was a voice guy. Um, so, uh, so I could do a lot of stuff. And then uh, when we were working on reel to reel tape or that type of thing, uh, you know, I could, I could you know, do all the edits and cart that stuff up. And then, you know, I was good to go. Um, the other thing that I did was I had, you know, celebrities on the show. So uh, I, if they were appearing locally at uh, a dinner theater over in Akron, or they were at Cherry's Top of the Mall over in Niles or whatever, um, I could get them on the air and we would uh, we would do an interview in five parts and I would cut it up for five days. So it sounded like they were on the show five for the full week. I mean, do stuff like that. You know, a lot of it was just uh, um, by, by whim. Uh, if I had an idea, we would do it. Um, uh, I didn't start doing the top 10 until uh, years after Letterman got done doing the top 10. I figured he wasn't doing it anymore. So I started doing it for the, uh, for the, for the showgram. Um, uh, you know, do's and don'ts, uh, all kinds of, you know, nutty stuff. It just basically, I would either think of a good bit or think of a good joke. And, and if whatever way I could figure out how to get it on the air, uh, and, and always make it sound like there was a lot of stuff going on that, that, that was the, that was the way I did it. Besides broadcasting yeah. and animation, you are a published writer. Yes, I am. I think novels and not novels. Uh, um, I've got a couple short stories. I have one. I have one short story that has been published in an anthology. I've got two more uh, uh, coming out uh, this year sometime. I did write a couple things for um, the comics, and uh, I wrote a couple episodes of some Disney shows and some shows when I was at Warner Brothers uh, uh, on some Looney Tunes, and I, and, I, and I wrote a couple Johnny Bravos too told me earlier in the week that you have just written a play and are in the process. I'm a liar. Don't believe anything. I, I didn't. I, I yeah. thought you were bull. bull yeah, actually, I've, I've written I've written a couple screenplays. One was animated, one was live action. And I just uh, a couple months ago finished writing a play. And uh, we've just been kind of uh, figuring out how to um, uh, when we want to, excuse me, do a table read to kind of get it out there and get get some feedback on just how funny it is and you're not going to offer up any little clue as to what these are about um well so the animated feature is called uh on her majesty's senior service um and and it's about a bunch of um of british spies that have retired and have been put out to pasture and they get called back one more time to go up against the uh, um, a a super villain, but he's not a he's not a very good super villain on the list of the 100 worst uh, uh, super villains. Uh, he's 123, so he's really pissed <laughs> off. About that. Uh, so there's that. Um, the live action is a film uh, I wrote called The Cookbook, and that's about a bunch of uh, of um, uh, mature, uh, mature women, uh, actually in a small town, like I grew up in who put together a, uh, a cookbook of their family recipes and, uh, um, and, and their, their misadventures of getting that, uh, getting it published. Um, the play is uh, based on some personal experiences. Um, I, I, I won't go into a lot of detail about that yet because, uh, I want to, I want to kind of that back for the for the time being um but right now i'm working on a uh, a mystery uh short story um and i've got another screenplay warming up in the bullpen as soon as i get done with that and uh, so i you know i'm uh i'm busy I, I keep myself very busy even though i've retired and i teach so between teaching right. and writing I was mention I'm, that, yes. I, I'm i'm off the streets i'm not committing those sex crimes anymore <laughs> and um you know i feel much better now that i'm taking the medication <laughs> L.A. 
Mm-hmm. What I never intend on going to L. Well, maybe if I got a, if I eventually can. Um, if you win the publishing clearinghouse sweepstakes, yes, maybe? or any kind of sweepstakes for that matter. Okay. What is L.A. like for those of us who have not been there? You spent, you haven't mentioned the amount of time you spent there. 30, 30 years. I did 30 years on the rock. 30 years hard time. 30 years? 30 <laughs> years mean, in L.A.? Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, I'm only 19 years old. I look this way after 30 years. At, uh, you know, if you didn't do the math, it's really screwed up, but, you know. Um, so what's LA like? Well, you know, LA is, uh, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun when you get there because it's everything that you thought it was going to be, but, but really spread out. Um, and you have to drive everywhere to get anywhere. Um, but, um, you know, if you go to Rodeo Drive, you go to Disneyland, I mean, it's everything that, that, that you think it is. Um, I don't know if it was just that because I worked in show business that the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the glitter and the glitz fell away pretty quickly. Um, but, and, and, you know, if you just live there and you just started having a life there, you've, you've got the places that you go on a regular basis and, and that's that. Um, um, the older you get, to me, the more you realize that you've outgrown that place. Um, you know, I, uh, um, I, I don't, I never really hung out in any of the clubs. I mean, there's some places that I'd go to that were, you know, age appropriate and, and, and they were a lot of fun and I was glad to have access to them. Um, uh, one of the things I love are, is uh, I love old architecture, especially old movie theaters. And there's still a handful of them out there um, um, uh, that, that I liked going to, um, because adults went to the movie theaters. So I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, some snot nosed 13 year old kid, you know, checking his uh, e-messages, uh, every, every 10 seconds. Um, but, uh, um, you know, there, there's some, there's still some classic restaurants that I would go to places that I hung out. Um, the, I'd say the, the best part of uh, uh, being in LA was that, you know, if you hang around long enough, you kind of develop celebrity friends. You bump into them, you meet under certain circumstances, you have, you know, you kind of start hanging out. And, um, and you know, it's kind of fun when you grew up in Ohio and New York and LA are like these, it's like being at Oz, you know, go like these fantasy places, you know, far away. And then you get to LA and you see the palm trees and you see the studios and, you know, you're, you're walking around the back lot and, Oh, who'd I bump into? Hey, Steve Martin. Good to see you. Now I used to, I used to go out and catch a smoke in the afternoon with James Garner. Um, he was, he was shooting a sitcom at uh, the Disney lot and uh, I knew he'd be out there. So at a certain time in the afternoon, he'd have his uh, little uh, 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 beach chair that he'd take outside. And uh, so, you know, like what, Okay, it's around two fifteen. Jim's going to have so, so I'd go out and you know we'd sit and and have a smoke and, and shoot the breeze. Um, there are a lot of people that I just bump into that. Uh, um, I, I when I go to celebrity houses to to do something, I mean most of those people were more behind the scenes people, uh, directors, uh, writers, that type of thing, uh, but. You know, you, you kind of bumped into movie stars. I, I'd see them uh, in bookstores and things like that. And, and we'd see each other enough to go, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and for me, being uh, 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 being ancient, uh, uh, old time celebrities were the best for me because they were just people that I grew up watching on TV. And now here they were, you know, so I got a chance to uh, to talk with them and hang with them and have lunch with them or have a drink or that type of thing. And it was fun. I know all the celebrities were excited to meet you. What was the, well, most famous person that you met? Not even developed a relationship with, just the one of the most famous celebrities that you hmm. met. Well, to me, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to say that the most famous person I've ever met was in 
Hollywood. I actually met the most famous person I think I've ever had a chance to spend time with um, in my hometown of Youngstown, Ohio. Um, I got to spend a couple hours with uh, the king of comedy, Jerry Lewis. Oh, wow. Yeah, I spent, uh, yeah, I spent, I spent some time with Jerry. Um, actually, uh, and then later on down the line, uh, even though we, we never kind of reconnected again, um, Jerry was trying to adapt the Nutty Professor to Broadway. And he was getting together a bunch of people that he was uh, trying to write the script and at least get a first draft. And uh, uh, Jerry and I had a mutual friend, a stand-up comic named Max Alexander. And uh, Max and I would hang. Max and I would hang out quite a bit. And I had some ideas. And so I, I was able to kind of pass things back and forth a little bit through Max. And uh, unfortunately, as, as a lot of Hollywood projects go uh, the way of the dodo bird, uh, things kind of went sideways. And, uh, but originally, I was going to uh, uh, fly out to LA or to La, uh, Las Vegas and work with, with Jerry and a couple other people to kind of well, work on the first draft of the script. Um, one of the other, uh, I would say uh, the, the next most famous person that I got a chance to spend time with was uh, Bette Midler. And I actually wrote some jokes for Bette Midler that she used in her Las Vegas show uh, at Caesar's Palace a couple of years ago. What is she like? Wonderful. I just loved spending time with her. She was just very friendly and open. And boy, when she appreciated a joke, she would laugh and almost fall out of her seat. So um, that was a wonderful experience. She was rehearsing the um, she was rehearsing her Las Vegas show uh, at the Sony uh, the Sony Studios, and um, so for a couple of weeks, I was doing some storyboard work and some uh, some stage design for the show. And so I would, uh, uh, in the evening, I would go down for a couple hours and hang out on, on whatever soundstage she was rehearsing on. And uh, we would, uh, I'd watch the show and make some suggestions and do some sketches. And we'd kind of, you know, as, as they were setting lights or whatever, you know, she'd sit down next to me, we'd shoot the shit. It was fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, another great night. Well, you know, remember there was a TV show called Alias? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, okay. So, um, um, th they would shoot scenes from Alias all over the Disney studio. Lot. I mean, I, 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 after, after enough seasons, I swore the only place that they didn't shoot a scene was my office because they were every place else. But um, uh, I, I, I got a chance to actually spend a little time talking to Jennifer Garner. And at the time, you know, uh, uh, my uh, my oldest daughter and I, uh, you know, we the, one of the things that we did together was watch Alias, and I knew that uh, my daughter would just go bananas if I could introduce her to Jennifer. And I asked her if she would mind if I went home and got my daughter and brought her back, and she said, "No, oh, sure, go ahead." So um, um, I, I went home and I I got my daughter. I didn't tell her where I was taking her. Took her back to the lot. And uh, they were shooting some scenes and uh, Jennifer saw me and I introduced her to my daughter. And for the next couple of hours, uh, Jennifer treated my daughter like she was royalty. I mean, she would go and talk to her in between setups and uh, 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 just uh, made sure that she had a director's chair next to, to sit next to her. Just a wonderful, wonderful girl. She just I call her a girl now. She's a woman. Back then, you know, she was she was a girl. You know, I was I was 127 years old now. So anything younger than me is a girl. Uh, but she was just fantastic uh, with my uh, with my daughter, and and uh, we got some photos, and it was it was great. It's great. We live, of course, in a strange time right now, and you know me, and you know I'm an idiot by definition. Well, that makes it a strange time because normally I don't no, I don't hang around with idiots, but. <laughs> We, but I've lowered my standards quite a bit, and so yeah, you're here right well, now. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah, they have. Uh, there is so much to view on these streaming services, and mm -hmm. I'm an idiot because I always go back to reruns of Friends, Seinfeld, and The Big Bang Theory. You mentioned three shows I hate. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
you mentioned earlier in the week that you've you've gotten caught up on some TV and movies. What oh, yeah. were those TV shows that you're watching now, binge watching, so to speak? Uh, well, um, you know, um, given you know, given that I've got one foot on the banana peel and one on the grave, I, I just feel like a lot of times I don't have uh, a lot of time to spend on new stuff unless I know for sure that I'm going to you know invest some time in that I'm going to like it. I wind up on the streaming services with as much stuff as there is to watch. I always kind of go back to the things that I know I'm going to like. So um, I watch uh, shows like The West Wing or I watch uh, uh, 30 Rock. Um, Great show. Yeah. Um, probably something new that I'm watching is Mr. Mayor or uh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is another show. I mean, again, they're all Tina Fey pedigree. A lot has to do with who's writing, you know, because of being a writer, uh, um, transitioning from from uh, uh, not male to female. No, actually, a writer to, from uh, artist to writer. Uh, unless I get my hands on one of those pink slips and then, you know, there's no telling what I'll do. Um, but uh, <laughs> transitioning from artist you could borrow uh, my... to writer over the years, I really focus more on writers who are either uh, kind of in my wheelhouse. Uh, I, I, I see a similarity in, in how they write. And, and so I really spend a lot of time watching you know, that stuff and, and listening to the cadence and the words and how, uh, how they construct the story. And I just find that to be a useful tool in what I'm doing right now with the, um, uh, with the mystery that I'm writing, uh, I'm writing this, uh, uh, my, my lead character is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of writing him as a cross uh, between uh, William Powell in the Thin Man movies. And uh, there's a reference for you kids. And uh <laughs> Uh, I was a huge fan back in the 80s of a show, a little show called Moonlighting with Mr. Bruce Willis. Oh, yes. So so if you watch that show and you, you kind of, you know, the nuttiness of that show. So I wanted to kind of capture that flavor where uh, there's a mystery there, but I wanted my readers to uh, to laugh while they're they reading. So I've been kind of immersing myself in watching those episodes just to kind of get my head in that that mode. So I usually start the day. Uh, um, watching a couple episodes just to kind of get my head there, and and then I and then I I type for a bunch of hours. Moonlighting. It's funny because Sybil Shepherd. They always the light was always shown on her every scene she was in, and she yes. was the big star. For, and Bruce for a Will, reason. Yes, for a reason. Yes, to eliminate to eliminate the wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sybil used to get the soft lens or the greased lenses to kind of soften those edges a little bit, you know. But you know, for me, Sybil Shepherd, no matter no matter what age, Sybil Shepherd still, you know, uh, there's no downside. Sybil Shepherd is Sybil Shepherd, and I'm I'm okay with that. So, Bruce Willis was the up and comer, and everybody yeah. was everybody when he left that show. And I can't remember if he was in, if Death Becomes Her was before that or after that. But when he left to do action movies, people were like, what? There we go. Bruce Willis okay. doing action movies? Yeah, well, um, he actually shot Die Hard while he was doing uh, Moonlighting. I guess they were shooting on the 20th century lot. Um, so he would jockey between moonlighting and and die hard and so um uh in fact uh at the time um uh uh, uh what's his name uh, um uh, the the guy who created uh a moonlighting now it's uh, uh, uh it, it, it it's 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 escaping me right now because it's like three names and i can never get them right uh kind of told bruce don't do it don't do the don't do this. You know, you're, you're not an action star. You're a TV star, but he did it anyhow. And then, and then the movie turns out to be a huge blockbuster. And, uh, you know, at that point, um, you know, Bruce had one foot out the door. So, uh, and became like one of the biggest action stars uh, uh, in, in the movies for, for a number of years until, until Bruce started doing everything that was thrown his way. And then, uh, and then that was it. Glenn Gordon. What is it? That's what it. it. Glenn Gordon. Karen. Glenn Gordon. Karen. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I don't know if this question still comes up at parties or sex clubs. Die Hard, Christmas movie or not? No. Action film, action film that happens to take place at Christmas. That's my opinion. I agree. And I always have to, people think, well, it takes place during Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, there, you know, there's all kinds of genre films that take place at a, at a you know, it's it just that, okay, that, that's part of the setup. You know, the, the, the fact that, that he's there for Christmas to try and, and patch things up with the wife, you know, that's the, uh, that, that's the motivating factor. That's it. But, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, uh, it's not like he pushes a, uh, a, a nine foot pine through Hans Gruber, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, uh, that, that ain't part of the story. So yeah, it's an action film that just happens to take place at Christmas. Uh, thank you. The people all over the world are, who agree with us are like, yes, it's, I told you it's so not there a you Christmas go. It's, film. It's, it's, it's the definitive decision. People can sleep easy tonight knowing that a decision has been made. We've called it. No more calls. We've made a decision. That's it. <laughs> Alan, that kind of introduced us to Alan Rickman, by the way. Yeah. A lot of people think that he is that part that he played. He is not with us anymore. Um, not just in the studio. Unfortunately, he passed away. But he put the the new type villain on the map. He was funny. He was violent. Uh, I think he was, he was someone understanding. He was a, yeah. He was a bond villain that just wasn't in a bond movie. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great way. That's a great way to define I mean, him. He, he could just as easily have been the Blofeld, you know? Um, yeah. When you, when you look at the greatest, the, the best bond villains, you know, they always, they all had a sense of humor. And they all thought that what they were doing was the right thing, you know, and that's what made them so dangerous is that they believed in their mission. So you needed a guy like Bond that was so ruthless that he didn't it, it didn't matter. It was his job to put a bullet through the guy's head or blow him up, you know, but otherwise, you know, it's like the Bond villains had there was no uh, there's no no moral rudder there. They 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 decided, hey, this would be a good idea, um, you know, and uh you know, that's, that's, you know, not to get political, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Spectre was in the White House. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Are you a Bond fan? Oh, you bet. I love Bond. You know, Bond, Bond, you know, uh, uh, Bond, you know, got me through my, uh, my developmental years, which was just up until uh, uh, 2019. So, um, yeah, Bond is, Bond is great. Uh, you know, there's there, right now, there's very few movies that'll, that would even make me think about leaving the house and go see it in the theater anymore. Um, and, and, and a Bond film would be one of them. Favorite individual who played Bond, favorite Bond film. Um, well, you know, Connery is always going to be Bond for me. You know, that, that's the guy I grew up with. Um, most, I've, I've got, I probably have two most favorite Bond movies. Um, I like the other guys except Timothy Dalton because his head's too big to be Bond. But, um, I would say, uh, uh, for me, Goldfinger and Thunderball, um, you know, I, I, I went to see those movies, uh, continuously uh, when I was a kid, when they came out, you know, I, I must've gone to the theater at least seven or eight times. And I sat through the movie twice each time. Um, the, and the last time I saw those movies on uh, the big screen uh, when I lived in LA, uh, Quentin Tarantino owns a, owns a movie theater called the Beverly, which he plays. It's kind of a revival house. It's the coolest revival house. Cause you know, if you're a film geek, every, Every movie that you never got a chance to see on a big screen, he's playing on a big screen. And he ran a double feature of Goldfinger and Thunderball. And I was able to take my youngest daughter to go see them. And so I got a chance to not only watch him again, but I got a chance to watch him through her eyes. And uh, uh, and she's a she's a Bond geek also. So uh, that was that was a fun experience for me uh, as a Bond fan and as a dad. Is it 22 films they're at? I know a, a time to, is it a time to 22 die? 22 or 26. I can't, re I can't remember offhand. I can't remember. I think, uh, you know, with, with one sitting on the shelves, they keep, uh, you know, I, I hope I, I live long enough for this last Daniel Craig one to come out. 
You know, they keep pushing it back. Oh, you will. You will. Do you think the character has gone on too long to get to run its course? No, I just think it, it, you know, they're doing, they're doing the right thing. They're just reinventing him each, each time they, uh, they, they bring in a new bond, you know? Um, I, I don't have a problem with there being a couple years between uh, new bonds. Um, I have a feeling just, well, for a number for a couple of reasons, number one, they got to figure out who the new bond's going to be after Daniel Craig, but, uh, but the studio's got some uh, financial problems. They're looking for a new place to uh, to land a bond. So we might not see a new after after this last Daniel Craig movie comes out. We may not see a new bond for another another three or four years, which is okay because it, it will give it'll give the franchise a chance to refigure out who Bond is. Um, the only thing that doesn't work for Bond. Uh, because not only do I like the Bond movies, but I've read all the uh, all the Bond novels, even the, the the new ones that have been written by other authors. There was one author that kind of made Bond uh, an awakened man. You know, he didn't smoke, he didn't carouse around with women or that type of thing. And I'm I, again, I don't maybe it's because I'm it's the age that I'm at and the fact that I grew up with with the image of Bond being a certain way. But I found that Bond to be terribly boring. Um, when they, uh, there's a, there's an author by the name of Andy Horowitz, who, who kind of has taken over the, uh, the, the, the franchise. He returned Bond back to the Ian Fleming version. In fact, one of his, uh, one of his novels, uh, was built to pick up where Goldfinger leaves off and Thunderball picks up. So it's, it's the Connery Bond that you're reading. So uh, I just think that there are just certain things that you're, if you're going to do that character, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a liberated man and, 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 you know, I support uh, women's causes and all, and all that stuff. And I think it's really important. And again, father of, of daughters, but, you know, I, I'm also a, a guy that uh, has grown up with characters, uh, 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 uh pop culture characters being a certain way. And I just think that, you know, you'll, you have a, just a little bit of leeway in order to reinvent them, but you got to keep the basic stuff there or it's not that character anymore. So, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, I'm trying to, trying to keep an open mind. Uh, but you know, I, I like, I like my bond a certain way, well, you know, shaking, not stirred. <laughs> oh, God. That was too easy, but yeah, but still funny. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's just a little, little underhand pitch across the, uh, across the plate, you know, you swing and you, you know, and you, you, and you take your, you take your lap. You did looking at your IMDB profile, you did yeah. some animation for Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you a fan of the, Marvel universe. Oh yeah. Live action films. Yep. Yeah, I, I am. Um, there are a couple that I could live without. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, um, I, I'd say overall, I think the films are, are done really well. I'm a big fan of them. I wish that, uh, I wish the DC comics would get their act together and uh, make uh, and, and just go you know, figure out you use the uh, use the Marvel template and make uh, a good Superman Batman movies. Um, the Batman movies have probably been the most successful. They're okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm about to say something that's probably going to offend most people. I think I think that the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are horseshit um, because. Um, he, he took the, he took the guy who should be the most interesting character and made him the least interesting character. Uh, everybody else in the movies are far more interesting than Batman. Um, the Superman movies with Henry Cavill snooze fest. Uh, I, Zack Snyder is a guy who, you know, um, I'd like to put him on a bus, loosen the brakes and let it go. You know, just, uh, I think that uh, he's done a lot of damage to the, to the DC universe. Um, I, I, I love, I love the, the Donner Christopher Reeve versions of Superman. They have their flaws. They're a little creaky now, but, uh, but I think that they were exactly what the character was all about. They captured the essence of the character. 
Um, I think that uh, the, the powers that be at at, uh, at at Warner's who are involved with the movies um, are trying to reinvent something that doesn't be reinvented. Favorite Marvel film? Um, um, gosh. Top three. Top three. Um. Well, let's see. In in no particular order, I think uh, Black Panther was just fantastic. Um, um, and uh, um, I'd say probably, I don't know, I really liked the Doctor Strange movie. And, um, and, 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 and the reason I liked the Doctor Strange movie was that... Um, as you know, they, they, they had every opportunity to, to mess around with it because, um, because Dr. Strange is kind of not one of the A-list heroes, at least. I mean, he is now because of the success of the film, but, but Dr. Strange was always like the, the, the next level down, you know? Um, but, uh, but rather than try and reinvent the character, because they didn't think anybody was paying attention. They actually used everything that made that character interesting. And they made a film that reminds me of the reasons why I love Dr. Strange when I read the comics. I'm also a really big fan of the very, the very first Captain America movie. I love Captain America in the era that he was created, which was world war two. Uh, you know, give me a superhero fighting Nazis and kicking the ass of a guy with a red skull. And, and I'm there. You know, um, the thing, you know, I think the thing that, that I think Marvel gets right is that they have a real affection for their characters. So they, they, they really try to maintain everything that made that character popular. DC is always kind of reinventing the wheel. They're always trying to figure out, well, let's make them, uh, let's make them a wuss. Let's make them, uh, okay. You know, the, the, his, uh, Aquaman's weakness is that he can actually dry. He hates water. You know, or whatever, just they figure, um, and you just kind of go, enough already. You know, you've got 50, 75 years of a comic book, you know, that has been around. There's a reason why it's been around. People like this. So do it this way. And, you know, quit screwing around already. Dr. Strange, no guns. Did you ever realize that? The or, minigun. What? No, no guts or no guns? No guns. Like, there are no guns in the film don't need him he's got the superpowers he's got the special powers man when you got those powers you know no look at well look at all the money he saves on bullets he spends <laughs> he just spends his money dry cleaning his coat his coat you know well the beautiful thing about i mean this is why you get paid the big bucks in hollywood is that in the marvel films it always seems like they cast the the perfect the perfect actor or actress yeah. For that film, it makes such a difference. And, you know, in any film, you can go back to, I don't even want to go back that far, but like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I can't even remember. They said, oh, such and such was supposed to do this. Tom Selleck or, was supposed to do it, but yeah. he couldn't get out of his contract. Right. And you think about what the film would be like with Tom Selleck. Well, you think about it for a minute, but you can't. It's such a classic. Harrison yeah. Ford does a great job. But with, you watch the Marvel films and you think, there's Chris Evans. Nobody else can play him. That's perfect. You, yep. Yeah, Iron Man. You got a smart ass in Robert Downey Jr. who's kind of yeah. like that in real life. He just slides into it. And then you watch. You got the casting of, uh, of and, and I'm and I apologize for not. Uh, is it Chadwick? Uh, Bozeman. Bozeman. Can you think of anybody better? I mean, there. I know that they're going to. I think recast Black Panther. Uh, um, or you know, give 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 him a new identity, but really, can you think of anybody better who could have played that that part? I can't. Even younger versions of of guys running, you know, or, or, you know, older actors, you know, Denzel or or Wesley Snipes or one of these guys, you know, it just would it just wouldn't have been the same. So you, well, I know you agree with me, but the people like. Well, you go down. Wait, I agree with you? Yes, I know Screw that's a you, first. Write that no, down. I'm not, I'm not going to agree with you. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Well, anybody, you talk about the secondary character movies. Like, would you have put, thought Paul Rudd would be, 
I have like a bromance with him. I love him. I think he's great. He hasn't oh, aged I love, in I love 30 Paul years. Red. I, you know, I, he, I don't know that he would have even been on my radar to, to play it. Somebody, somebody was smart enough to say, hey, you know what? We need Paul Rudd because Ant-Man was always a fringe character. You know, <clears throat> his stories, you know, he, he, he couldn't support a whole comic book. He was always like a backup feature. You know, he rides ants. Okay, well, that's cool. You know, <laughs> he's great at a picnic, but that's about it. But you get a guy like Paul Rudd who kind of has that self-deprecating kind of, kind of dippy dopey kind of personality. And all of a sudden, he makes that character interesting. Now, I'm going to say a lot has to do with the fact that you got a you got a good uh, director and a good script who recognize the the power of the Rudd, you know. So they they play right into his his strengths, and you wind up with a with a movie. I mean, who knew Ant Man was great? Ant Man and Wasp even better. Oh, I agree. Excellent. Okay, a lot of people don't you know, like the Ant Man films. I love the Ant Man films. I, you know, I just, I, I, I mean, personally, I mean, I just, I just love the guys who are not super duper superheroes. Right. They know it, <laughs> you know, so they have to kind of make up for their shortcomings by being wisecrackers and that type of thing. And you just kind of go, all right, well, that's the guy I want to see, you know, um, I, I, you know, just talking about Spider-Man, the, the, this new kid is okay, but I'm not a huge fan of the reinvention of the character, but Hey, I get it. They're, they're playing to the younger audience. Um, you know, I'm, I've been accused of being, a, being a purist um, uh, to me, uh, Andrew Garfield, I think was, was the, the better of the, um, of the Spider-Man. And uh, Emma Stone was the better of the uh, the MJs. They they because they had a chem they had a chemistry they had an on screen chemistry you just couldn't deny and that's what you need, you know you need showing Peter Parker you know being torn between hey do I put on the spider suit or I you know uh, do do or do I go play a little slap and tickle in the back seat with uh, with MJ you know, um, well you be the judge. Well, you mentioned Tom Holland. He's yeah the latest incarnation of spider-man and when he was in the avengers films he was a background a main character but a background character well you know the thing is that they had just gotten the rights to use spider-man and there was probably some because sony owned all owned the the screen rights to the character marvel back in the day when they were short on cash sold uh uh, the screen rights to uh, uh certain characters uh, Spider-Man being one of them. So, you know, the deal was that as long as Sony kept making movies or animated shows with Spider-Man or the Spider-Verse, they could hold on to the rights. Eventually, you know, Disney was able to cut a deal and bring uh, kind, of, kind, of, kind of bring Spider-Man into the Marvel Universe. And so I think there was a certain amount, of, there were certain limitations of, of using Spider-Man at that time. So... I'll, I'm going to chalk up to the fact that, you know, he, he didn't play a, a more dominant uh, a role in, in the film at the time. Well, in his in the second film that he had uh, mm-hmm. Far From Home, his own film, he was his character. It was almost annoying. And I know annoying because I am annoying. But he was almost too skittish. Oh, Spider Man. Yeah, I, I wish that was. He was almost well, too you, too skittish. Well, you have been accused of shooting web around the place, but let's not get into that. <laughs> we'll save that for another the next. Another episode. reason to tell you to keep your pants on. He was just always so skittish, and he was because it was his own film. I thought he was extremely skittish. It's very very tough to watch that particular film, but female characters. In the Marvel Universe, we talked about the casting of men. Who was the perfect mm-hmm. female that they cast? For me, yes. uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone was was the perfect uh, female. Um, hey, also, listen, I love Marissa Tomei. You 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 show me my cousin Vinny, and my eyes are just going to be riveted on a Marissa Tomei from the moment she shows up on screen right to the end. That gal is uh um she is uh amazing uh, yeah 
Yeah, amazing. There you go. Um, but I hate her as Aunt May because that's not Aunt May. You know, um, Aunt May was an older character in in the origin in the years of Spider-Man that I grew up with, and that was uh, that was kind of an important element of the story because Peter felt a certain responsibility of taking care of his widowed older aunt. You know, the thing that made Spider-Man interesting for me was that here's a kid who had all the power. He could, you know, he could do amazing things. And he was still conflicted. Having that power did not make his life any easier. And, you know, he, he was a science geek, you know, so he was getting his ass kicked uh, every day and getting shoved in lockers. Um, he had a, a, a widowed old you know, elderly aunt who, you know, had health issues. Um, and then, and then, then he had bad guys, you know, uh, trying to figure out who he was, you know, and, and, and take him down. That's a lot of, that, that's, that's good storytelling because that's good content. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it. You know, you have a hot mama like Marissa Tomei running around and, uh, and Hey, who cares about Spider-Man? Hello, Aunt May, you know, so, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that to me just isn't working. We're going to um, go ahead. I, you know, I, so I was just going to say, I just, sometimes I, I think that just because you can change things doesn't necessarily mean that you should. That's, that's true. Before we wrap it up, I'm going to give you a chance to plug yourself. Um, I would love to have you on again. I know the check that I sent you has to arrive and clear it's bouncing all the way over. <laughs> that's what that's that's what I thought. <laughs> there you go. Anything <laughs> anything you want to promote? Any of the work you're doing that we should go out and purchase or steal? Um, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm I, I, I'm not going to promote much. I mean, uh, you can you can take a look at some of my animation storyboards on on my website, uh, which is uh, uh, schwartzsubjects.com. That's S C H W A R T Z u b j e c t s dot com uh and there's some stuff there um uh, uh you know I, i'll let you know when when something of mine uh, gets gets published i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna end on a little bit of a serious note and that is um if, if for, for people out there and i know money's tight and i know some of you aren't working and, and uh uh but you know if you can uh, send a donation to uh the american cancer society um uh, just because um they they're they're there for those people who are dealing with these issues and i can't tell you how much families that have that have members that are dealing with cancer depend live for any glimmer of hope and light that an organization like the cancer society can can provide them um and uh, so that's number one number two um check on your neighbors make sure that they're doing okay keep your eye out the front window you know see if you can see them every once in a while this covid thing is is a is a bitch and uh, um you know um let's just uh, i i i I uh, used to end the show, Graham, by t- asking people to be good humans, and uh, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll end things with that right now. Be a good human being. Let's put aside our differences. We're all people. We're all just we're trying to get through this mess called life uh, in one piece. Um, let's be nice to each other. Let's do something nice for each other. And uh, but you listen, if you're looking for somebody to hate, Jeff Stritch is your guy. <laughs> Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my my shtick here. We're gonna keep we're gonna put you in the background. I'm gonna talk to you no after problem. We, after we wrap up the show. But thank you to uh, worldly worldly individual, the second most interesting person in the world, Dave Glick. He will be on again. Now, a couple things to go over. Thank you to Shaggy and CBW Production Company. He's the one who makes this. As good as well, he makes it good. It's not me. He makes it very good with the way he produces it. Um, also, his radio station, CBW Radio, is live. You can find it by going to cbwproductioncompany.com and then you can listen off that. I will be back on the air live. 
even later tonight, but weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 12 noon. For those of you who like me, if you don't, well, you might want to give me another chance. Tonight's broadcast on Facebook Live. You can also listen on Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Apple iTunes. I'm trying to think of anything else that I need to talk about. And of course, I am going to be recording of Mike's and Men right after this with my good buds, Sean B. and Mo. The next time you, well, if you listen to this, you're going to see me. But the um, next time you listen to the podcast on one of the uh, social media platforms will be the next time you hear my voice. It has been a absolute blast. I'm Jeff Stritch. This has been Strictly Stritch in Time. Be safe, be happy, be proud. Peace.